five seconds. He's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And it's Carolina with yes, a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it! Here's Kupak. Gives off to Amos. He's good! He's good! He's good! He's good! Unbelievable! Unreal! Jordan back to kick. It's blocked again. Picked up. It'll be a touchdown, Carolina, for Bracey Walker. He blocks his second punt. Bernard fields it at the 26, heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. Hey guys, and welcome into another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta here, and this is a Big Heads Media Group podcast. Wanted to mention that. Um, thank you to Big, Head, uh, Big Heads Media Group for reaching out to me. I am now uh, the Toriel Football Podcast on their network. They got some other um, college football podcasts that are on there. If you want to check out uh, some of those for our fans that are, you know, maybe multiple fans. I know there's a couple. Uh, that I know there's one fan in particular that's a Tar Heel and UCLA fan, so I know uh, – they do have a podcast on there, BigHeadsMedia.com. Uh, Big um, that's where you can check out all that great stuff. That's where we're going to be on as well. So if you want to check out the podcast, you can go on there. But, of course, you can still go to the normal areas. We encourage you to go to those normal areas, Apple, iTunes, uh, Apple iTunes, Google Play, um, or Google Podcasts as it's called now, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all those great places where you can like and review the podcast. Make sure that you guys do that. Subscribe to the page as well. We'd love to, for you uh, to do that so that you don't miss an episode of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Also, we want to hear your reviews because, well, we want you to criticize us because we love being criticized. Um, but no, we, we want to hear uh, your feedback. Uh, we'd love it. Uh, no matter if it's good or bad, just let us know. Um, so we'd really appreciate that. Um, and uh, yeah, as always, you guys can check out the Heel Tough Blog for all sorts of content. Let's get to the opening drive of this podcast. And we start the opening drive with some talk about Jaquarius Conley, who committed to the Tar Heels back on August 15th. Um, that was just this past Thursday. Commits to Carolina over South Carolina. It seemed like when he took his visit during the cookout, that was what kind of changed everything. And now the Tar Heels have one of the more talented players in the state of North Carolina. This was one of the guys that me and Zach Hubbard had told you we pretty much thought there was a, say, uh, a space in this class saved for him no matter how many guys the Tar Heels took on. So he does commit. This is a big one. It was uh, kind of kind of strange, a little bit out of the blue for him when he announced that he was going to commit on August 15th. He announced that earlier in the month. Um, we actually thought he was going to wait a little bit, but he decided to go ahead and commit to Carolina. So now the Tar Heels, uh, you know, they, they've got 
I think it's two or three of the best uh, in-state guys. They do have the top two safeties, both Conley and uh, Cameron Roseman Sinclair, who committed earlier this year back in January. That was actually Mac's first commit of the 2020 class. Uh, he did a uh, – he's done a fantastic job, plain and simple. In-state, he has – just knocked it out of the park. Uh, it has been phenomenal. Um, and I wanted to ask you about this. Um, you know, I know that we thought Mac Brown was going to turn things around in state. Did you think that it would honestly happen this quickly? If I say yes, do I come across as a biased fan? Um, probably, but you know what? At this point, I don't think that anybody would be overly offended by that on this podcast. Um, I'm not gonna say maybe to this level. Okay, that was that was that was the question. Um, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. You're um, good. I did expect immediate turnaround because this. Right. We heard this. Every time he was in front of a microphone, the first three months he was on the job was importance, was uh, fixing the in-state recruiting, building the relationships with the coaches and the players in the state. Like, that was just shoved in our faces over and over and over. So, like, he made right. it as a right. – not, not, and it wasn't a bad thing. It was just, like, it gotten so bad under Larry – that it was this is a major emphasis of me coming back. Mm-hmm. So I, I I figure there'd be a, a, a great uptick right away. Maybe not to the level that we're seeing right now. I thought maybe into year two, year three. I guess the question is if it's already this good now, what's it gonna look like when he's in year three and we've we're winning games again? Right. I mean it's 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 kind of weird. Like, how do you go up from here? Because you look at the significant names in the state. Desmond Evans aside, because he hasn't committed yet, but he is projected very heavily to the Tar Heels as well. I mean, his crystal ball is almost completely towards the Tar Heels at this point because he's only been on a visit to Chapel Hill. He's never been anywhere else in the country. So, yeah, Mac Brown's knocking it out of the park, it seems like, with him. Barring some drastic change, he'll probably commit. You look at here's – my, here's my thing. Can we remember a guy in this class so far that we've said – okay, we really want in-state that he's missed? Like, he has got everybody that we've really wanted. So, I mean, it's it's just crazy to think that, you know, I mean, I, I was listening to the Cover 2 podcast, which is a podcast that Athlon Sports does. Our guy Steven Lassen, who we had on earlier in the year, he's going to come on each year and help us preview and everything. Um, you know, he he's a part of the podcast from time to time, but it's Braden Gall and Mitch Light, who I love. I think they're both phenomenal. They said that right now they still think NC State is the recruiting school in the state of North Carolina. They asked how quickly can that change. It I already think it has. maybe has. It has. No, it's and not a maybe. Re- this, now, this podcast, I'll give it to them. This podcast was done a couple, a few weeks ago. So they hadn't landed Connolly. I think Connolly maybe is that 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 straw that breaks the camel's back for people to say, okay, it has definitely changed because this is a four-star guy. You now got the two safeties, top two safeties in the state that are committed to Carolina. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. I didn't think it would happen this quickly. Like I thought, my expectation for Max first class. Because I don't count the 2019 class because that was split between him and Larry. 
I thought, te- te- I mean, technically, it, well, towards the end, pretty much not. 75% of that class, that was Mac Brown, so... It, Very close. I, which is in the 30s, but I, he kept some of Larry's guys, which is why I don't penalize him. I So what I'm saying, 2020 class, the first full class for Mac, back, I thought maybe high 30s might sneak into the low 20s because... We had heard, do people really know who Mac – do these kids know who Mac Brown is? Do they think of him as more than just a guy that's on TV? He has done that work in not a matter of years, Mom. a matter of months. Yeah, which just reiterates to the argument we had last December when we made the hire. Right. He's done everything he said he was going to Exactly. Do. Which just reiterates while why that was the right decision for Carolina football. Is there a chance that when he fully retires and you look back on Mac Brown, is there a chance that nationally people will be able to ask the question, is he the best recruiter ever? Because there's there has to be an argument, right? Because um, – Look at the amount of talent, even at Texas. Now, here's the thing. He didn't do a lot late with that talent. But you look at the talent that he brought in, and then you look at now what he's doing at Carolina so quickly. There is a conversation to be had. I think there is. There's a conversation. I think it ends shortly with Nick Saban winning six titles. Okay, but um, how much of Davos, that is about his staff more than just him as a recruiter? Dabo I don't Sweeney, know how good. Now, da- Dabo, yes. Is a – he's got the moxie. He, 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 re, he relates to these kids as good as anybody in the country. Was effectively why he got the job when Clemson gave him the jobs because, well, he's going to recruit and get the talent level back up, and he did that. So there's going to be a discussion. Um I think I think I think if 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 he wins here and we both think he's going to win, mm-hmm. that only helps the argument. Because if you get okay, the talent okay. and then you win, but again, it is recruiting. That to me, recruiting and winning together is more of a coaching. Thing, but okay, which but, I'm not trying to say. See, I'm not going to make that argument. But okay, he but is not better than Nick Saban. If, Sorry, I love Mac. He is not better than Nick Saban. If they don't win after year two or year three. The recruiting is going to drop. That's science. I think a little bit, but I'm going to tell you, Mac Brown is so good with talking and really just connecting with these kids that I think it's going to be really tough. I said this the other night uh, when, when I was reviewing the open practice, which we'll get here to here in just a second, just a short little one. My sister just went to Carolina as a freshman. First night she was up there, they have a little like pep rally thing. I don't know. They called it something. And Mac spoke at it. She, keep in mind, she has no clue who Mac Brown is. She She's not a, a diehard sports person. Like she knows who Roy is. She knows the names. But honestly, like if I showed her a picture of Roy Williams and Dean Smith and said, tell me which is which, she probably wouldn't be able to tell me who's who. Um, but here's the thing. He was there talking. And she said, I I really like Mac a lot. She's like, he just knows how to talk to people. 
you know, I, I'm telling you, like Mac, I, I I think Mac could literally go into a store and sell you year old milk. Like he is that good. He could tell you, okay, uh, convince you to take year old milk over the new milk. Like that's how good Mac Brown is. Very weird analysis. I didn't know what to compare there. You've now referenced a straw breaking a camel's back. And that's you're... a real reference. You actually think that's not a real reference? I, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, what, that's what's, a real reference. What's going the milk on? is not. That was one that I just came up with. I just don't know what the hell's going on with over there you tonight. So, I'm bringing out, I'm, I'm, I'm expanding the mind, thinking outside the box. You're but growing. Mac, there it is. But Mac is just, like, I'm telling you, man. Like, when it comes to Making guys feel at home, I think Mac Brown is really tough to beat. I don't know if there's another guy that can do that. Dabo, I think, is as close as it comes. Because I feel like Dabo, you know, look, we don't know because we don't follow Clemson football that in depth. I feel like Dabo is a guy that's regarded as someone that's going to know every recruit's name that he's targeting. He's going to know back around on him. He's going to know the family, connect with him. That's how Mac Brown is. So, I don't know. To me, I think there's an argument for best recruiter. Best coach, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think he has an argument. It, it, you know, I, But to me, like Nick Saban and Bear Bryant is your argument. But that's, that's a totally different argument. So, okay, so let's, let's transition. Open practice. I was there on Monday night. Um, After I wasn't invited. To you tech, had to work. And I would have gone out into work to go to Chapel Hill. Okay. You just didn't want me there. So, Partially true, but wow. <laughs> but no, no. Of course, I wanted you there, but I, I, I honestly thought, okay, this dude's definitely gonna have to work. I honestly thought you were gonna be going and working for your dad's company, who is the sponsor of your podcast. Um, so I, w- I was almost a hundred percent certain that you were going to be going up there to work. So I, that's the reason I didn't ask you. But okay, so we went out to the open practice. Me and actually my sister joined me as well. Uh, I would say that we could have her give us some analysis. Uh, not a chance. She knows that Sam Howell's on the football team, and that's about it. She did go to kindergarten with him. Interesting statistic there for you. Uh, he is the starting quarterback, though. That's a nice transition into talking about Sam Howell. Uh, and he was out there with the ones, looked, you know, what you would expect from him, pretty good. Um, you know, really didn't take a whole lot of risks in the team drills that we saw again. They didn't run a lot with the team. It was one session of full team drills where you had off- offensive and defensive line out there. Um, they did a little bit of seven on seven, but not a ton of that really either. Um, but he looked pretty good. There was one play that stuck out to me in particular um, where there was a little bit of pressure. He got out of the pocket rolling to his right and did a great job keeping his eyes downfield. Drew the defender in that was out in space. I believe it was a linebacker. I think it might have been Jake Lawler. And then did it had you know great job to dump it down to Daz Newsome. Um, you know, so really what that play showed me, uh, Sam's very intelligent. He's got the football knowledge. We've heard everything from him. Uh, you know, everything from guys around him that he is a football mind. He's a great guy. Comparisons to, um, you know, you guys heard it here on, on, uh, on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Our guy, Jacob Turner over at Target Illustrated compared him to Brett Favre. Um, there was, and, and that's not an unpopular opinion. I was listening to WFNZ a couple of days ago and the guy that covers, um, the uh, high school football area, he does it on his own independent site. There's a newspaper that covers the area, but 
uh, a guy named Tim Winters who does just a fantastic job. Check his stuff out at UCNC.com. We're going to try to get him on at some point. Um, I don't know if it's before the season or maybe even after that first game to talk about Sam and some of the guys that they got in Union County because Tar Heels have some targets out there. Um, But he compared him to Brett Favre as well. He said that he knew it. He he thought of that comparison in his sophomore year of high school. So this is something that's been going on for a long time. Remember, I compared him to Mitch Trubisky when I first saw him. I have come around on the comparison to Baker Mayfield, which is what we've really heard a lot of. And I think that's probably the best comparison for him. A guy that just can make all the throws at all three levels. Guy that has enough mobility. He's a little bit different than Baker in that he's going to be a – he can lower a shoulder and run you over. But really just a guy that is going to be in the film room all the time, knows football, loves football. There's no question about that at all. So, you know, he, I, I really think that they made the right decision um, out of the three quarterbacks. The good thing for Carolina fans, that was the first practice after the decision was made official, and Cade Fortin and Jace Reuter were both out there. Both guys look good as well. Um, and, you know, I, I think that there were some other guys that stood out. If you guys want to find out who that was, just go to the Heel Tough blog Facebook page. We got the live video that I had up there. Uh, it was while I was driving home, so you can't see me. Uh, unfortunately, most of the video is dark because I had to sit it in my cup holder while I was driving home. I was trying to multitask because I wasn't going to wait until like 12 a.m. when I got home. To, to do it. It's it's two and a half hour drive. I decided why not do it then. Um, it's like what? I think like 30, 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. Uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's got a couple of good uh, nuggets in there. Some of the guys that stood out. Um, so yeah, go, go ahead and check that out. Uh, Heel Tough blog on Facebook. So we'll move to our final topic that I wanted to talk about. We'll get a little more input from you here on this one in the opening drive, which is Cameron Kelly the defensive back that you know some uh, Taylor Vipolis said earlier in fall camp he thinks that he he would start nickelback if he was deemed eligible by the NCAA well here's the problem he is 10 days away from the start of his true freshman season at the college level and he does not know whether or not he is eligible to play this season um this is this, this is getting a little ridiculous now at this point that we don't have a decision on him. Like, we are we are a week and a half away. How much closer can you wait until the game? We were joking about I, – I, I made this joke earlier. Like, are they going to wait until he is, like, in the locker room about 3 o'clock the day of the game and just call him up? Be like, uh, hey, Mac. Hey, Mac, by the way, uh, if you want him out there, he's eligible. Go ahead and throw him out there. Yeah, this just shows the hypocrisy of the NCAA, how some kids get decided on immediately. Tate Martell. Um, and this kid, like you said, we're we're a week and a half away. Uh, I mean, what, what more – how long does it take to look over this case? It's really pretty simple. He went to Auburn. He had a family member. I believe it's his mom, but I could be wrong, that had an illness. He transferred to Carolina to be closer. You have the wise-ass, sarcastic comments of people saying, shouldn't he have transferred to Virginia or Virginia? It's look up the distance between the locations, people. Carolina is closer than the other two to Virginia Beach. It's it, it makes no sense, but it's the reason why Carolina has had a lot of success recruiting the Tidewater area. Now you add in Dre Bly, that's the reason they'll have more success. 
but what more does the NCAA need from him? And also, there were some other guys that are out there. We saw the cornerback James Hudson, who transferred from Michigan to Cincinnati, citing that you know there was a disagreement with Jim Harbaugh. He's also had some mental illness problems that he's been going through. Wanted to transfer to Cincinnati. I believe it's also closer to home for him. Um, you have Brock Huffman, who transferred from Coastal Carolina up to Virginia Tech. He had a family member that got sick. The campus is, I believe, 105 miles from his um, fr- from his hometown. There is a 100-mile radius where you are automatically deemed eligible. The NCAA had to make a decision and decided to deny him eligibility. And then you look at a guy like K.J. Sales also, who was on Carolina a year ago, decided to make the transfer. The rule that we've – that as we know it is if there is a coaching change, that is one of the things that the NCAA will give you a waiver for. Assuming that that is what KJ applied for, I, I don't know, but I'm assuming that. How is he not eligible at this point? He's another one that is waiting to be deemed eligible. So, like, what are we waiting on here? Like, I, I just I don't understand it. And from this perspective, you know, I mean, Carolina, you know, is not extremely deep in the defensive backfield. Like, we kind of need this young man, do we not? Especially with Trey Morrison moving to outside corner? Yeah, no, no this is this is a need for Carolina um, on many different levels. And I just would have figured after Mac Brown took a couple press conferences to blatantly call the NCAA about this situation. Calling him out of media days, too. Um, that this would have now been resolved. Right. I mean, I'm just wondering, so like, are the defensive backs just kind of like the last ones that they're getting to? Like, are they going like position group by position group, like how I'm previewing it? And defensive backs is just kind of at the end and they're just like saying, okay, we're going to go through all the defensive backs on, uh, let's say, Thursday or Friday. Because like, how much closer can you get to the season? Because I know what's going to happen, right? They're going to say, well, we were going to make him eligible, but it's too close to the season. We don't know if he's going to be able to be in the right condition. We don't want to put him at risk, so we're going to deem him ineligible. Um, But, yeah, no, I I just – I don't get it. Um, The NCAA is uh, just – I I don't know what more they could want from Cameron. I don't know um, how much later they can wait. Uh, It's time to start doing something. Uh, you guys, I, I haven't seen anybody legitimate deemed eligible in the last month or so. I know Florida State, somehow Jordan Travis is eligible from Louisville, um, which I guess that's because of the coaching transfer. How the hell is he eligible? But KJ Sales is ineligible. Makes no sense. Um, so, yeah, the NCAA, bunch of jackasses as normal. We know that. Um So, yeah, we'll move on from that. And now let's get into our main topic. So we went through – And we decided that this was how we were going to do this edition. We told you last time, and again, we're sorry for the layoff. We wanted to do it earlier. We had a lot of different things that were going on through work and everything. Unfortunately, this is not paying our bills. We have other things that pay our bills, so we can't do this, uh, you know, just full time whenever we want. We're doing the schedule breakdown, so we decided to go through, and we're going to do it easiest to hardest games on the schedule. 
And so, okay, when we did this in pre-production, I told you right out, we know the easiest game, we know the hardest game. We should get this out of the way, correct? Yeah, Clemson the easiest. Ah, oh, here Mercer. we go. <laughs> nah. Yeah, no, we, we, we agreed that Clemson's the toughest. Definitely. Defending national champs look just as strong. They'll have to replace the defensive line, but they should do that, no problem. This and is Mercer's the easiest FCS opponent. Middle-of-the-road FCS yeah. opponent as well. Not very good. So, yes, we agree on that. Um, you know, that's... Again, Mercer is on November 23rd. That's the setup game for NC State. They've been doing that the last few years. Kind of like it. And then Clemson. See, I think Clemson's at an interesting spot. Can we just talk about this for like a quick second? Do you think that there is any upset chance here because of where it is on the schedule? Because we've seen this with Clemson. That late September, mid-October area is where they have had some struggles since they've become the power. Do you think that this game has any chance of an upset? Yes. There's a chance that Carolina can win the game. Nick Dorman might. Now, how do I say this and not sound dumb? Okay, so you're not... Okay, this is... There would be, I think, more of a chance... Okay. If Larry Fedora was still the coach. Oh, my God. Only Please explain this. Because now with Mac Brown back, I think there's just – and the energy around Carolina football, and let's say we win a couple games here and there, we're 2-1, and one, whatever, in that game, there's just going to be more focus because I think Dabo Sweeney is going to understand, okay, you're going against a Hall of Famer. There's just more – I think – I know it sounds dumb. I could not disagree with you more, but there is a reasoning that you probably will agree with from um, my standpoint. I so, get what you're saying. So, the, And that's why I, I think with Mac Brown, there's going to be more of a tension on Carolina football than there would have been if Larry Fedora was the coach. Okay. So there would be the opportunity for them to sleepwalk. Okay. That, that went out the window when you hired a Hall of Famer, and he's done everything he said, you know, everything, the recruiting, the facilities, right? blah, blah, blah. He's doing it. So I... But it, it fits the mold for the road game that they that that, that you're you're going to have, right. um, even in the ACC. So it, it fits the mold, and it, it's just going to be we're going to be there, and it's going to take a hell of an effort on our, on our end to, to do it. Yeah, there's the, every, everything pretty much has to go right. I'm going to tell you why I think there is a small chance. If anybody can get a team motivated, I trust Mac Brown to get them motivated. I don't think Larry would get them motivated. Oh, I, I don't think game. either. I'm just saying, like, the, I get the, what the, you're saying. The they, lookover effect would have been there right. if Larry was still Let's here. Let's say they start really good to begin the year, which, okay, I'm going to be really honest. I'm not trying to give a lot away. I don't see them being three and one entering that game because that's, I think, what you're saying, right? Because they do play, they play four games before then South Carolina, Miami, App State. And um, Wake Forest. Wa- uh, Wake, yeah, Wake. So I mean, if they come in three and one, okay, yeah, because depending on who they beat, if they're three and one, like they've got to be at least close to being ranked, right? Like it, that. That is a that is a tough schedule out of the gate. It's one of the toughest, if not the toughest, in the ACC. Yeah. No. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I get what you're saying, but I think I'm going to trust Mac Brown to get these guys motivated because we heard him say, 
earlier in the year, and everybody took it out of context saying he was calling out Clemson. He said early in the year, I believe that we, you know, I believe we can win every game. That's not saying I believe we will win every game. I believe we can win every game. So I think Mac Brown is, if there's someone that can do it, he's going to be able to get him motivated. And you also said another point. He's a Hall of Fame coach. So I trust him to call a game more than I trust Larry Fedora. I'm, I'm going to be honest. In late game situations, I trust him. I'm assuming that if we were leading that game in the fourth quarter, Larry on third and one would throw a deep ball because that's Larry Fedora. We'd be behind in the chains. Yeah, right. Literally, dude, we would have we would have British Brooks, the walk on on the field. No slight to British, but he would say all three of our running backs were behind the chain, so we had to throw in a walk-on. Um, we couldn't run it. We had to throw it. Um, so, okay, so we got those two out of the way. So now how do you want to do the rest of this? So we're going to go easiest to hardest, correct? Yes. Okay, so this was, this was tough because I am still looking at this and still having a hard time with this. But we went with App State as the second easiest game, which I told you this in pre-production. People are going to have a lot of issues with this. Sunbelt champions return a good amount on both sides of the ball. They do lose some talent. Jalen Moore, the starting running back, gone. But look, they got Zach Thomas still there. Remember, this team almost went into Happy Valley in week one last year. And came out, almost came out with a victory against Penn State. So they are not going to be an easy team to beat. Now, here's the here's the other thing. Coaching change. But it's Eli Drinkowitz who was at NC State and had success against Carolina as well. So there's yeah. there's a lot of factors here. There, there is. Um, I think it helps that this is Carolina's fourth game on the schedule. Yes. So we're a little bit more comfortable in on, on the system on offense and defense. Eight days to prepare, or yep. seven days in between. Again, not much, but still a little bit yeah, of something. It, it is a long week. Yeah, there um, you go. It should have been a longer week, but we got our game against Wake moved, of course. Um, so we have that. Uh, it's at home. Yes. Uh, and and we discussed in an earlier podcast. I think this team, if they're going to make a bowl game, they got to win a lot of games at home. You have them losing one game at home. That's your bowl prediction. That was so, yes. Um, so, do you got that? Um, I think the reason why we got for me the the coaching change plays a factor here. Um, I agree. It's a it's a step back. I, no slight to Drinkowitz, who I think could. I think he could do a good job there, but yeah, it's he still went, early. He went to a good place to begin his head coaching career, a right. place that you can you can win at. But he's never ran a program before. Um, that's, right. That's okay. just that's yeah. just I, yeah, that's, that's a true. fact. It's true. Um, and you're you're preparing against Mac Brown. Mac Brown's gonna have an edge on you any day of the week. So I I, I think while they they've got probably a top three group of five quarterback. Um, and they have some talent on both sides of the ball. Top three. Oof. I did, I'd have to look. Mason Mason Fon. Mason okay, Fon. I'm not, not going to get exactly. into the nerdiness here but, yeah, of college um, football. <laughs> so you know they, they they got some guys, but you know mm-hmm. th- this is a game Carolina should win. I agree with that. I do agree with that. And again, 
the debate was not, okay, we are not saying, I was not thinking in my mind, man, this should be number two. No, 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 not even close. But I thought there was a debate with the next game. Why don't we go ahead and talk about that game really quickly? Oh, I do want to mention this, though. One interesting factor for Mac Brown in this game against App State, this is him coaching against the first job that he had. Only there for one year. Can you tell me where he left App State for? Tulane. Wrong. He left to become the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma before taking the Tulane job. All right, nerd. There back, you go. Back, now moving there on. There you go. After you have Something to show me up. No. After you have to show me up. I'm the I'm the football guy. I'm supposed to know this. This is what you're supposed to do in basketball, and you do do this sometimes. So this is this is um, a slight back at you. So now we move on to Georgia Tech. At Georgia Tech, the reason that this game is so low is because they are making one of the most ridiculous transitions that you're going to see. Not that it's a wrong transition. You are going complete polar opposites where you're going to have a guy in Jeff Collins who's going to want to run a – I mean, they're going to spread it out. There's a chance they could try to go three or four wide receivers at some point there. And I was going to take a while because I don't think they have the players just yet. They don't have the quarterback either. Um, I, I, I'm going to be honest. What we're hearing is that two guys that were supposed that, that were basically recruited for the read option are battling for the starting quarterback job. It could be a really rough first year for Jeff Collins, who I like and think is going to do a good job because he comes out of Temple, which uh, is the reason why Manny Diaz is going to be so successful. He came out of Temple, right? 41 days. Um, I love that joke. One of my favorite jokes to make. Um, but Georgia Tech. There's just there's so much there's so much that they got to rebuild. I mean their defense they lose a lot as well. Um, and then I mean you talk about from the offensive standpoint not only the skill positions the offensive line has to change everything that they've known over the past few years. Cup blocking is not going to work in a spread offense. Just not going to happen. So you have to readjust, learn an entirely new blocking scheme. But you, you have a reason why this is third. That was interesting. It's the reason we probably ultimately went with this as number three instead of number two. I'm trying to remember the reason from this conversation. It's a road game. And that's why. Um, <laughs> Come on. I can't be giving you the answers to your own points, Scott. I probably may have Ugh. had them higher when we were doing it, but we settled on them here. Just because the simple fact is Carolina's won one time in Atlanta. And we had to come back in that game since to win. Mac Brown left the first time. One one time one. I mean, so this is not. And our quarterback caught a touchdown pass. This is not a place where we're historically good at. Uh, um, no, no. But the drastic change in philosophy gives Carolina, I think, a a really good chance to win the game. I agree. As as a as in years past where. We, we, we haven't matched up well with them on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, I don't know. It's definitely going to be uh, interesting to see them in shotgun and three and four wide and running tempo. We get to see them against Clemson. In the, how, how rough is that game going to be for them, by the way? That is going that, – that's going to be awful. Good luck, Georgia Tech. Um, that's not really the way to welcome you into a new scheme is, hey, here's the – 
defending national champions. Um, right. Is that a road game? No, it's uh, it's I, is it? Oh, it's in Clemson. Oh my God. Good, good luck. Maybe they'll be demoralized when we play them. By the way, so that'll be that. That's one of the reasons that they're so low. Um, the next one, number four, we have Duke. Um, this was one that I kind of thought, you know, could be debated as the second easiest game. But when you look at it a little bit more, they return more on defense than I realized. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I did not think they returned a lot on defense. But they return a lot on defense from a team that really wasn't great a year ago on defense. Um, you lose Daniel Jones. Thank thank, thank God he is gone from Duke because we have no, oh, we cannot stop him. That is, we are the one team that he has destroyed consistently in his career. He destroyed our 2016 season, and then last year he took us to the woodshed in a game that if we stop him at all, we probably could have won. Um, so again, Quentin Harris is their starting quarterback. They return a decent amount uh, on the uh, offensive side of the football as well. They do have to replace um, their outside wide receivers, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, they lose uh, – really, that's the area that they've got to find guys, is guys that can catch the football. So I think overall talent-wise, Duke is down there. I think this is probably our best chance – to beat them in a while. And I, I, am I wrong to say that? I mean, 16, we we should have beaten them. Yeah, no, this, but this is the best chance, especially in the last two years. Yeah, I this, would say is, this, is, this is a winnable game for Carolina. Um, it hasn't been the last two years, which really says a lot about where we were as a program. That yes, you, yes, it does. That winning games against Duke wasn't um, expected. Uh, but this year, with, with what they've lost at the quarterback position um, defensively, I think they lost with all three of their linebackers. Uh, uh, two, two. Two. They only played two. They played like a 4-2-5. So, um, yeah, yeah the, you're right. Joe Giles, Harris, Ben Humphreys, both gone. So, this yeah. this is a game. Carolina, on paper, you're at home. You should win. Uh, it's 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 that simple. Um, I, I like it where it's in the schedule, where it's in the end of October, so we should be well in tune with what we're doing. Offensively and defensively, right. Um, if Howell is struggling early in the year, he should be settled in by then. And the so, offense. So, so the, the way the way it lays out at home and where it falls in the schedule, I think is a good good place for us. Okay, so so where do we draw? Okay, I think this game is still in this tier, and then we drew a line, pretty much, right? Because I'm still trying to figure out what the hell Pittsburgh is, and we're in what year seven of them being in the ACC. Um, they, I'm not going to put this, they were absolutely atrocious on offense last year if they couldn't run the football. Darren Hall and Quadre Oleson were the only good things about that offense. They're both gone now. That team could be historically bad on offense if Kenny Pickett doesn't step up, if a new running back doesn't emerge, and if their wide receivers can't become a little more dynamic. Now, they got a guy in Tasir Mack who's pretty good. Defensively, they're not bad, but they lost a lot, especially at linebacker, and they just lost Rashard Weaver, their top pass rusher. He's out for the year. He actually just got injured. That was their top pass rusher from a year ago. So they got a lot that they've got to replace. And we know their secondary has not been anything to write home about since they arrived in the ACC. What was it, two years ago they finished, I believe, or no, maybe it was 16 when Trubisky absolutely tore him a new one, that they finished last in the 
country in passing defense. It's very weird with them because Pat Narduzzi is supposed to be a guy like, okay, the offense struggling is in a shock. The defense struggling shocks me. This team won the ACC Coastal last year. What in the hell is Pittsburgh? Can we figure this out? Like, is there an answer or no? They are what they are what they are, which is a team that can run the ball, can't stop anybody unless you're in at one. It it they play for a conference championship doing so. Um, this we put it here, I think, because I talked to you because it's a road game on a short week. Well, actually, no, it's a long week for us, right? Then we have a bye before the yeah, yes, yeah, we had the bye, so it's not a short week, but it is a road game. Um, I know we've yet to lose to them since they joined the ACC, but this is this is new territory. You got a new coach now. Granted, we're upgrading the coach, but you know it is what it is. I honestly think that if you want to make the argument here that this is a game that you feel you would rather have Larry on the sidelines than Mac, <laughs> just because Larry yeah. could not lose to them. He tried to lose games to them. I swear to God, and he still couldn't lose to them. Um, <laughs> but this uh, this is a out of our our road slate. Um, this and probably Georgia Tech are almost winnable games. Uh, yes. I think without a doubt, they are on a tier by themselves as the road games. Like, yes, there is no doubt in my mind that they are the two easiest road games that we have on the schedule. Um, I think the reason that they're fifth is because, well, okay, they won the ACC Coastal last year. Um... I asked the question, can they find a running back? Well, they seem to be able to do that every single time that they lose a great running back. Now, they got to replace two of them, but they've got guys that are capable of doing just that. Um, you know, we were trying to recruit one, Mikhail uh, Salahuddin. He's probably, I think he's going to be the guy. I think they might have someone else that's projected in front of him on the depth chart. They'll always find guys there. Um, my question is for them, is Kenny Pickett better than last year? Because he was not good. Last they better year. they better pray to God he is. Um, he he is he no, he is I, I look, he's not the worst FBS quarterback. That's Arthur Sikowski who threw four touchdowns and eighteen interceptions. Kenny Pickett might be number two. He is not good. He beat Miami and that was about that was about it. I wonder if he beat Miami and then said, you know what? I think my career's pretty good here um i'm not gonna do it you know i'm okay with this being the only win that i have on my resume that's significant so um but i think you know also where it's at on the schedule because by that time we'll know what pittsburgh is for the 2019 season now 2020 pittsburgh like we said probably will be a completely different team because they change year to year we still haven't figured them out but by that time i think it'll be a tougher game so, okay, so then we have where we draw the line in the sand. Those are on a separate tier. These ones, okay, we laughed about this because I made the, the argument that Wake Forest could be our second toughest or third toughest game on the schedule. We have them as our sixth easiest or uh, sixth toughest game on the schedule. <laughs> um, it's interesting because I, I, I don't like – Going to BB&T Field. Again, not a great environment ever. I don't care what anybody says. That's not a tough place to go in. And, and that's why it's scary. It's very weird. It's on a Friday night. 
which I I can't stand the fact that it's on a Friday night either. By the way, how bad is that for Wake Forest recruiting that the game against your in-state rival, granted it's an at-a-conference game, which we'll talk about that in a second, but the night against your conference rival who you're recruiting in-state against, you're playing on a Friday night when you can't even invite recruits because they're going to be playing a high school football game. Good job. Good good job, Wake Forest athletic director. Did well there. Um but there's some things to like about Wake Forest. They did make the decision at quarterback. I thought they went with the wrong guy. I like Jalen Newman. I think he brings a lot to the table, more mobile. Um, you know, he, he he showed last year that he's pretty good. Here's the thing about them. They have an injury at quarterback every year, so Sam Hartman will probably play at some point. The question is, do we face Sam Hartman or do we face uh, Jalen Newman, who won the job? We'll have to wait and see for that. But... Um, you know, early in the year, they have some questions defensively. Uh, you know, they do lose Greg Dorch, who was a freak at wide receiver in the slot. They got to find that next guy, but, you know, they, they seem to always find one of those guys. Remember Michael Camp- Campanaro, who just killed us the last time we played him? So they'll probably find someone. Um, so, I mean, here's the thing with Wake. It, like, this is the sixth toughest game on the schedule, but, like, it, it, it took us a while to kind of slide them down here. Like, this is still a tough game, right? Yeah, it's tricky. Uh, Friday night on the road in an environment that it's it's oddly tough to play in because there's no energy there. So a lot of times... It echoes. That's you, what's scary. You, you see teams struggle getting motivated to go play here. Um, it's early in the season. It's our third game of the year right um they will be very motivated for this game because i was listening to fnz as i i I know i bring it up a lot on here um and they had uh claus dave clausen how i was blanking on him for a minute and he said he focused on that game a lot when they were talking about the schedule this means more to wake forest than it does to carolina so that's the other part that really scares me. They're going to be motivated for this game. Where is Carolina's motivation level, especially if you come off a win against Miami the week before and you have a six-day turnaround to play Wake Forest? Um, I don't think that's a problem with Mac Brown coaching the team. I think this team will be up to play every game, no matter the, the, the record of the opponent. Um, so that, for me, isn't a worry yet. My worry is just Wake Forest – you don't look at the record. They're a good football team. They just play on the yes. the wrong side of the division. There's a legitimate chance that, believe it or not, they can have the best record in the state of North Carolina at the end of the season, maybe outside of App State because they play in the Southern. Yeah. So this is this is a sound football team. We, you know what you're getting, which sometimes is hard to prepare for because it's they're good at what they do because they know they got to do these certain things, which is run the ball and play solid defense, and they do it really well. That's, well, their defense wasn't great last year, and they do lose a lot. So but we'll the, see. They're they're going to play good defense, and they're going to run the ball. That's okay. What, okay. That's okay. what's going to happen. I'm telling you right now. I, I think. Look, I think if our offense is clicking the way that we think it can potentially do, if it gets into a rhythm in the first two games, I think we can score a lot against them. Now, now a lot, I think, is probably 30s. 
high 30s, low 40s. That's how we're going to have to. Uh, right. If we want to win, we're going to have to. So if our offense is clicking, I think we can cause problems because they got a lot of question marks defensively with what they've lost in the last two years defensively. Yeah. They lost a lot. They got a lot of things they got to fill. So um, it's, it's, it's tricky. This is going to be a game that uh, if they want to make a bowl game, you're going to have to steal maybe one or two on the road. This is one of them you got to find a way to maybe steal. There you go. So we have that six, sixth easiest, right? One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Um, so now actually we flip over to the harder games on the schedule. So we we put NC State here. This is a weird one to predict because right now, okay, there's rumors their quarterback battle is not even over. They think that Matthew – we heard all offseason McKay's the guy, Matthew McKay's the guy, no doubt. All of a sudden, there's some buzz that Devin Leary could come up and steal that job. He was a guy that was a four-star recruit last year. I think he was at the Elite 11, don't really know, honestly could care less. Um, And then, I mean, but here's the thing about them. They are going to have a good defensive line. They have lost and replaced guys each of the last two years with ease. They still got a lot of talent there. That hasn't changed, and I think it'll be the same thing this year. They're going to be able to run the football, which is where they have killed us under Larry Fedora, and we hope that they won't do it to us again. Ricky Person is a really, really good player. Um, And again, it's hard to say that because, believe me, I hate talking NC State football. Ricky Person is a good player, and he is going to be one to keep an eye out for um, so I think there's some things about State that you just know they're going to be able to do. But I feel like they're going to take a step back this year. That's kind of why I have them in sixth. And I think that the team that we'll talk about next, you could debate who's going to be better out of the two. But I also think that, believe it or not, Carter Finley's an easy state, easier stadium to go into than the one that we're going to talk about in fifth. Yeah, yeah, State. They are what they are. Like you said, they're gonna they're gonna be able to run the ball. Their defensive line is they're they're now in that that in that. Are they second best in the ACC yeah, right now? Yeah. Just putting together defensive lines. Yeah, and, they're and, not better than Clemson, but they're second. And, and mean, now and now they're on. being talked about nationally as like a place that they 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 breed defensive linemen. That's what that's what they're doing. Right. Um. So you you have that, and then you look at just what the game is. It's a rivalry game. We're state's biggest rival, so when they beat us, it makes their it's, it's their Christmas, it's their season. Um, so you have to deal with that factor, and it plays a lot into it because there's just a lot more emotion from them in that game than there is from us in that game. So with that in mind, they are going to regress. I don't think they'll be as good as they've been in years past. Um but it's still not going to be easy for Carolina Watson there and get and get away. Oh, I don't. I I agree. Um, I think first of all, stand a lot better chance in this game than we did under Larry. Not even close. Um, you want to talk about getting motivated for a game? Remember, was it? It was Trubisky. So it was sixteen. How we came out in the game on Black Friday with all black jerseys and looked lethargic. Um, that's not going to happen under Mac. Especially with no um, the comments that uh, 
Dave Doran has made about Mac Brown. What a shocker that jackass has something to say because so, he just continues to make an ass of himself talking about other teams in the division. There's there's going to be a, our head coach will be motivated to go out there and win that game. I agree. And I, I agree. I think there'll be some tension in the media that week, where because Mac Brown didn't forget what he said. Uh, no, I don't think Mac Brown forgets much at all. And yes, for right. for, for our guys, how many players on this? No one on the roster is beating State. Yeah, and I also think, look, um, there is a lot of tension that was added to this game after last year. Um, I mean, there was a full team brawl, and we saw it in 16, too, right before halftime. Both sidelines cleared. So, I mean, like, you know, everybody wants to make the joke, well, you know, they're not really our rival. In football, they are our rival. We have gotten into two fights over the past four years against this team. They are our rival. Let's admit it, okay? Um, so, yeah, I think the motivation is going to be high. I agree. Um, and, look, you might say that, oh, well, you're being a homer because you say that Dave Doran makes terrible con- – Dave Doran is maybe the biggest idiot in the entire NCAA amongst coaching uh, – people that are coaches, maybe besides maybe Jim Harbaugh. Jim, Jim Harbaugh is a wild one. Um, but Dave Doran just makes all these ridiculous comments – and it's like, Dave, bro, bro, you have not won 10 games in your time there. Win 10 games and then let's talk. So, uh, you know, I I'm, I agree there's there's a lot of tension. Um, Mac will not forget that. There will be extra motivation. Um, and look, we, we want to beat him for the first time in four It will be four years by that time. So I agree. Number five. Toughest game that we have on the schedule is Virginia Tech. And it seems weird to put them this low on the list because of what they've been. And I'm a guy that still thinks Justin Fuente is is a good coach. I I don't think that they should fire him at the end of the year. Um, You know, Bud Foster last year, shockingly terrible defense. Just shocking. Um, Carolina almost beat this team last year. And here's the thing about them. You know, they were young last year on defense. They return a lot of guys, but I still don't know how much talent is honestly there. They do lose some guys at wide receiver. I'm still kind of questioning as to whether or not they're going to have those guys ready by the time they play us. That's kind of mid-season. I don't know if they're going to have anybody that really steps up because last year there were a couple of guys that we were keeping an eye on going into that game. The main guy was Damon Hazleton, and Patrice Rene shut him down. He had one catch the whole game. Um, and here's here's the other thing. I, I don't think Ryan Willis is all that great. I think he's okay. He can win you games. He is not a guy that scares me. Am I wrong for saying that? He's not a guy that puts fear in me. He transferred in from Kansas, so that should probably tell you all you need to know right there. But he's not a guy that I'm going to say, oh, man, we're facing Ryan Willis this week. I'm I'm, cons- I'm I'm overly concerned. I mean, I've had nightmares about him since oh, here he we go. drove here 90, we, here we go. 99 yards and beat us last year. Um, no, I mean, look. I think that this year's defense will be better than um, last year, so I don't think that would happen. You, I look, I look at this game. It's on the road. It's Virginia Tech. Yeah, that's um, my main thing. We don't go there so and win. Fuente, for some reason, uh, his his job is his job's on the line. Um, for some, it doesn't make any sense. He's you know they had a bad year last year, but 
that was bound to happen anyway. Um, Foster is retiring after this year, so the, they'll be motivated to go out and send them out the right way. And I, I, I think there's too much talent at Virginia Tech for them not to win mm-hmm. at the level they're expected to win. Uh, I've seen a lot of people have them winning the, the side of the division. So not that it'd be so shocking because it's the Coastal. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to be easy. Uh, Carolina's only won there twice since Mac Brown left. So, so I, I actually, on paper, Georgia Tech is tougher. Yeah. So Very strange. Yeah. Very um, strange. Uh, yes. And the, the, the one time that we won there under Larry – uh, we probably shouldn't have won that game if we're if we're being really honest. Mainly because we gave the game away. We we were the better team on the field that that game, but we tried to give it away in classic Larry Fedora fashion. Um, but I agree. I mean, it's 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 definitely a tough environment to go into. This is the one game that if it's at twelve o'clock, I will be happy. Please do not make this a night game. That it would that's the one thing about Carolina if they get off to a hot start and Virginia Tech's pretty decent and they make this into a night game, we are not going into Lane Stadium and winning a night game. It is not happening. No way. That is I think maybe outside of Clemson the toughest place to win a game at night. So, we're hoping for that. Okay, so now we get to the top 4. We went with Miami here, partially because of where it's at on the schedule. I become more convinced of this because I just don't see where they're going to be knocking it out of the park defensively. Or, excuse me, defensively. Offensively. Defensively, no no questions. One of the best defenses in the country this year. I think definitely a top 10 team on paper. Um, their linebacking core loaded, secondary, still very good. Defensive line, we remember last year against us and against plenty other teams, they were fantastic. I believe they may have even led the country in tackles for loss. They are a legitimate defense. The offense is the problem for them. Their running game has a lot of question marks. Lose Travis Homer from last year was their leading rusher quarterback Jaron Williams wins the job he was the guy that was probably predicted in most preseason magazines to be third on the depth chart somehow wins the job overtaking maybe the cockiest human on the face of the planet Tate Martell who now apparently is moving to wide receiver and then at wide receiver they do have Jeff Thomas he comes back after what was just a weird situation where he was Maybe kicked off the team. Not really sure what happened with Mark Richt and everything. Looked at going to Illinois and then decided to come back. So they do return him, but they lose Lawrence Cager, who goes as a graduate transfer to Georgia. So they've got a lot of question marks on the offensive side. Their offensive line also has not been good in a very long time. When you look at Miami, I think the biggest thing, though, is the fact that Manny Diaz is a first-time Excuse me. Second time head coach. Shut up. Day, 41 day stint at Temple. Legendary. I'm, I'm on the verge of walking <laughs> out after all these jokes. Now look. It's true. He was there. It's technically a tenure. He landed. Did he land a recruit? We still haven't figured that out. We got to look that up. But Manny Diaz, here's the other thing about this that's really interesting as well. Not only is he a first time head coach, 
He is also a former Mac Brown disciple, so who's going to know this guy better than Mac Brown? There's a lot of elements to this. The reason why, though, this game still falls where it is on terms of tough, um, defensively, outside of Clemson, might probably the best defense we'll see all year. Yes, And yes. it's the second game of the year. Uh, y- yeah, I agree with that. Um, also, um, if this game was in... October, we maybe flip this with a Virginia Tech or an NC State, maybe. Maybe it slides down the list a little bit. Um, and that's why. Um, I think it does help that this game's at home. This game's at night. The first night game uh, in Keenan Stadium since Mac Brown's return. There's going to be a whole lot of energy in that stadium. I told you oh, the other night that is, of the games I know for sure I'm going to, the one I am most looking forward to being in Keenan Stadium for, because the energy Which is level, crazy. The energy level is going to be off the charts. Uh, I think so as well. I don't even have to drink beer to walk in there. I'll be drunk on the environment of okay, a Carolina football game. White Claw, which is apparently legal in the stadium now. Should we mention that on the show, or should we not mention that because we, you know, I'm 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 a little concerned about our fans. I encourage all these fans to get as Aaron Rodgers pleaded for the Packers. Oh, jeez. Let's get drunk and cause hell. Let's make it fun. I'm okay. going to go there and have a lot of fun. Be professional, be courteous, but let's have fun and and make let's have a freaking uh, environment. And I about dropped the F bomb there. Whoa. I uh, thought you did. I may have to go back and cut that no, out. It was freaking. But I mean, let's make an environment. And did we're you gonna... just say Aaron Rodgers? By the way, isn't he the uh, the worst beer drinker ever? Could barely chug half a glass. We need to chug like Mitch. Okay. Ah, Big Mayfield did it better. But yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm all for it. Not on this podcast. So I don't know. Okay. Yeah. No. Um. No, I think if if we had beer and wine sales in the last two years, there would there would be a lot of concern. Five five wins over the course of two years will will drive you to drink in the stadium. Um, this year it'll be a little bit different, but yeah, that environment I I think will hands down be the best environment of the year. Um, partially because I I I I really don't know where this team's going to be at. After that first five-game stretch, this game, though, I don't. This is the best thing about this game. No matter the result in Charlotte, this game will be sold sold out. I don't think it's officially sold out yet, but it will be. And this game will be absolutely nuts. The environment, like you said, I think it's going to be just crazy. So I'm glad that I'm going to be there. That is. What's this? What do we know that? What is the Saturday night game that week? Is that Clemson and Texas A&M? Three thirty kick. That's right. There, I forget what the Saturday night game is. Oh, Texas LSU. Sweet two. I'm gonna be honest. Part of me is slightly disappointed that I have to miss that game. And I'm when I say slightly, like maybe point one percent. I'm with you. That game is just that is the sexiest game on the schedule from a, a, a fan's perspective. Now, the thing that's a little scary about that game as well, Miami has two weeks to prepare for that game because their first game that they play is in week zero. So they will have two weeks. So they will see what they need to fix in that first game against Florida, which I think they lose, by the way, and then they can repair it from there. So they might be a little bit of a different team than you see in the game against Florida two weeks later. Be interesting to see. 
So now we get to the top three. Uh, this one was pretty tough because we kind of went back and forth on this. And actually, the bowl game from last year had to be brought into perspective here. But ultimately, we went with Virginia, number three, South Carolina as the number two toughest game, which I think is going to get a lot of hell from people. Because I think that... Am I the only one that's seeing like so many Tar Heel fans just absolutely destroy South Carolina on Twitter thinking that this team is not good at all? And it's like – and look, I'm going to tell you that is not the truth at all. Um, they play in the SEC. They have a quarterback who's been at it for a while. Jake Bentley is the starter. Ryan Holinsky's not winning that job. That is long gone. Bentley came out, proved that within the first couple of weeks of spring camp that that was not happening. They still have talent at wide receiver. I feel like this defense might be the best since Spurrier. It's going to be close. Their defensive line is definitely the best since Clowney left. But I don't know. I know you, you're a guy that's really, really sold on this game being number two. I was the one that was leaning more towards Virginia. Yeah, no. Virginia, I think it was for Carolina, um, we match up well with them. I mean, Larry Fedora almost beat him last year. so Almost beat him two years in a row. Um, so I think talent-wise, we probably got more talent. We've upgraded the coaching. Um, games at home. Oh, yeah, Virginia, yeah. Yeah, um, very winnable game for Carolina. I look at South Carolina as the opening game of the year. You got yeah. a new offense, a new defense, a true freshman quarterback. Uh, it's not at home. It's not on the road, but I – there's a good chance we might be outnumbered in Charlotte because South Carolina fans travel as good as any fan base in college football. They go. Right. They'll go anywhere to watch I, I agree with that. They'll watch their team play. Um, I'm a big fan of – I'm a bigger fan of Jake Bentley than most. I think he gets a lot of hell that's undeserving. Um, I like – He just is the same quarterback as he was as a freshman. Uh, he hasn't improved anywhere. I, I, I like that they're going to be able to run the ball. We can't – we haven't stopped the run in a decade. Defensively, they're solid because Will Muschamp coaches outside the ball really well. I look at Virginia. Virginia is what they are. They're going to run the ball, try to shorten the game, play good defense. Um, I'm going to be interested to see what Virginia is this year because their best player for the first time in a very long time is Bryce Perkins, who is a quarterback. They lose Jordan Ellis at running back. They lose... Olamide Zacchaeus at wide receiver. But here's the thing about this game. This game is on November 2nd. If this game was earlier in the year, it would be further down. Exactly. And that was also – and I told you part of it was more of the scheduling. We open with South Carolina. We don't know who right. we are yet. By, I agree. I uh, agree that's Virginia, the we'll, reason why it's two. We'll know who we are. I agree. I, I do agree with that. And I also – here's the other thing. I can't be a hypocrite because I – predicted that we would upset Virginia. So how is that going to be the second toughest game? And I predict we pull an upset. But here's the thing about Virginia. Shockingly to me, they were a heavy favorite to win the Coastal. I'm going to be honest. I was very shocked by that, considering they haven't beaten Virginia Tech in 12 years. I I mean, it seems like what's going to more than likely happen is that game will come down, or that, uh, that the division will come down to that game, and they will lose because it's Virginia. And Virginia Tech will win. Whether that puts Miami in or that puts Virginia Tech in, that's pretty much how I see it. So I think that's interesting. I I think Carolina will win this game in an upset. 
But I think this is a very tough game against a Virginia team that honestly is probably the best that we've seen them since the 90s. Yeah. And you got to hand it to Bronco Mendenhall. A hell of a job. South Carolina, I don't want to say too much on them because we will talk about them more when we get to Charlotte um, and we do the pregame show. One of the interesting things with them, is Tavian Feaster going to play in that game or not? Because now he is at South Carolina. Um, he he will be a tough guy to slow down for us. Uh, although I think we will be better this year defensively than last year. Uh, I, I, I mean, that first game, yeah, it could be a little rough. And then, uh, oh, so that rounds us out because we don't have to, we already talked about So there we go. So how about that? The rivals are one and two on the schedule. And South Carolina is, uh, it's kind of shocking. That's number two. Um, we want to hear your guys' submissions. Please submit that to us on Facebook. You can do a Hear Tough blog on Facebook. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at Future Tar Heel. Him on Twitter at Josh Marlowe 5 or Joshua Marlowe 5, excuse me. And then uh, also the Heel Tough blog Twitter feed. That is heel, at Heel Tough blog on Twitter. Um, let us know. Easiest to hardest, even if you just want to do top three hardest, top three easiest. I think top three hardest would be a little bit uh, tougher for you, mainly because Clemson's number one. But then after that, uh, what do you guys have? We would love to hear those submissions. Um, it, it, we thought it was a great topic. We hope you guys really enjoyed the topic. And uh, we, we look forward to it. We're, we're literally 10 days away. So uh, there will be a podcast next week. And... You know, we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a second. So uh, I wanted to tell you, make sure we just talked about it. We're going out in Charlotte. We're actually going to be live on location um, for that game against South Carolina. We're going to be at Moo and Brew Restaurant before the game starts, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. It's going to be a two-hour show, and we want you guys to stop by 1300 Central Avenue. It's 10, mi- uh, 10 miles, excuse me, 10 minutes away uh, from the stadium, so it's really right down the block. It won't take you that long to get there. Come on by, hang out with us, talk a little Carolina football. We're going to have some cool stuff going on. We're trying to get some T-shirts made for us. Us, um, for the event, it's uh, we're, we're going to have the Heel Tough Blog logo put on there and everything like that. Um, so I have to shout out uh, Hannah Fawcett, who uh, is a friend of mine. She actually made the logo a few years ago. She did such a great job. Um, she's actually going to try to put together um, something else for us that we can get on the t-shirts. We'll have to see because it's going to be a little close to the deadline. So I may have to make them now. And uh, we are planning on giving away a t-shirt to a fan. I have a helmet that is signed from 2015. We're going to bring it out there. If you can name the one player that has signed it that is still on the roster, you can't walk up and look at the helmet and examine it closely. You should. You, you have to tell us at the event. Just walk up to the table, let us know. You will win that T-shirt. So if we don't have them printed up, we'll take your address down. We'll send it to you via the mail. You know, snail mail, as they say. We'll do that. Make sure that you guys get it. Um, we're really excited about that. Also, we're really excited about the fact that we got former Tar Heels coming out. So we got a guy that still lives in the Charlotte area. 
Ryan Houston coming from Matthews, the former running back. He's going to come up and hang out with us. But also, we got some guys that are traveling a little bit. Nah Brown, he's coming down from Asheville. He's up there on ESPN Asheville. Does a fantastic job up there. Former wide receiver. He was actually recruited and played under Mac Brown for his entire career. So we're going to have him on set. He's going to come on and talk to us. Errol Hood, the former cornerback um, from the Carl Torbush era. He's going to come on and sit down with us. Of course, his son plays at uh, Richmond High School in Rocky. North Carolina as well. So we'll talk a little bit to him about Caleb and maybe what he's thinking. Another Carolina legacy that could potentially land with Mac Brown uh, in Chapel Hill. That would be very interesting. And then we'll talk to Gerard James, the former. Um, again, he I think he was a Butch Davis commit. Played under Everett Withers and Larry Fedora guy, so um, he he could tell us a whole bunch of different stuff. We'll ask him about that, um, but we'll also ask him about overall the excitement about Carolina um, that he has for this season. He's a guy that keeps up with the team very closely because he was a graduate assistant on the team um, just a few years ago. He's actually, I believe, now up in Baltimore um, with a few of our guys, James Hurst, the offensive tackle who's up there, as well as R.J. Prince. So all those guys coming out to join us. Come out again. That address, 1300 Central Avenue in Charlotte. If you can't make it out, make sure you tune in on the Heel Tough blog Facebook page. So now we turn to the 40-yard dash. And in this edition of the 40-yard dash, we are focusing on preseason football. 23 former Tar Heels participated in the opening two weeks of NFL preseason. Andre Smith was a standout in week one, six tackles, all solo tackles for the Carolina Panthers. It looks like he's going to earn a roster spot this year. looks like a full-time roster spot um, with guys like David Mayo moving on um, as well as Thomas Davis. So it looks like he's going to have a chance to actually have a relatively significant rotational role. That's good news for Andre. Quiet Week two for our guys, um, Trey Boston, probably the headliner. Uh, he had two tackles, played a little bit early on, um, and then was taken out. He's going to start after re-signing with Carolina. It seems like he's going to be the starter there, so that's great news for Trey. Great guy. We saw him um, hanging out at the WFNZ draft party, and uh, he does. You know, he, he's been a guy that we just don't understand why he's not getting more love because he's done such great things. Uh, since he's moved on from Carolina, both in uh, San Diego, I believe they were still in San Diego at the time he was on the roster with the Chargers, and then with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, another Cardinal that showed out, TJ Logan, didn't really have the greatest game, but probably got the most burn, five carries, 15 yards rushing on the ground, um, and then also was the primary kick returner for Arizona in that preseason game. So uh, TJ looks like he's starting to find um, his rhythm there after, of course, being injured last preseason. Two former Tar Heels are back with NFL teams. Elijah Hood signed with the Jaguars earlier in the week, and then just yesterday, Landon Turner signed with Seattle as they try to get some depth at the offensive guard position after they lost one of their guys, Demetrius Cox, who went down over the weekend. So, that is this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. As I told you earlier, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. Let us know if we're doing a good job or bad job. Honestly, if you write down that we're doing a bad job, we really don't care. Uh, we just want to hear the good ones. <laughs> we'll read those on air. The bad ones, um, no. If you put them in there, we'll definitely look at them. And, uh, you know, we, we try to get better every single time that we're on here. So we really appreciate all of you guys listening. Of course, we just had the 100th edition of the podcast. You guys can go back 
back and listen to that where we tell you uh, who we think the greatest player in Ontario football history is. Um, and then we've got some other great additions of the podcast that just came out. 102, that's Pat James. Uh, he goes over some of the stuff that we talked about, um, you know, during fall camp. Also talks about Sam Howell. Great stuff from Pat. He gives you some great insight from Go Heels. Um, love talking to him. And then Jacob Turner is episode 101. Uh, you know Jake. He comes on, does a fantastic job, gives you so much great information, and really a guy that comes from a good outlet in he, uh, Tar Heel Illustrated. It's a rivals associated outlet. I think a lot of people think that those guys are really just going to give you the facts. Jake gives you a lot of good opinions. So I love having Jacob Turner on. Go back and listen to those two editions of the podcast. You can find it again. Apple, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn.com, TuneIn app, um, anywhere you can find podcasts has it. Also, you can go to Spreaker.com. That's where we host it. And BigHeadsMedia.com is going to have it as well. Make sure you guys go check them out. They have some great stuff over there, all sorts of great podcasts um, that you guys can check out as well. And then uh, let's see, HeelToughBlog.com. That was the other thing that I wanted to point out. I'm already forgetting what I'm supposed to be pointing out here. Go online. We have our position previews up there that we do every single year. Defensive line just got posted last night. Linebackers being worked on as we speak. Defensive backs and special teams will be coming out before the season starts. So make sure you guys go do that. We'll have a preview of the South Carolina game. I'll be previewing it like I have normally done in the past. I will be doing my recaps during the season as well. Well, as I have what we learned today, I'll give you the four, five, six, however many headlines I pull out of it, I'll give to you guys. And then one new feature that we're going to have is the trench reports. Those will be done by the guy you just heard, Josh Marlowe. He's going to be doing that. He's a Dallas Cowboy fan, so he loves the trenches. We slapped him a few times because he's a Dallas Cowboy fan, but he's going to do some trench reports for us because that's what he loves. So you guys can check all that great stuff out during the season. HeelToughBlog.com has it all. That's also the place that you can check out the podcast if you want to go through the website and uh, you know drive those numbers up of visitors to the website. Really would appreciate that. Also, make sure you subscribe to the mailing list so that you can get all the articles, all the other great content that you get. It's uh, it's really a great thing uh, that we put together. So, uh, you know, we love giving you guys all the information and we hope that you guys will do everything you can to follow along. Again, you can also check out the Facebook page. Make sure you go back, watch the open practice takeaways, and then that's where you're going to find the live pregame show. Heel Tough blog on Facebook. Just search that. Spaces in between um, the words, of course, or you could just type in www.facebook.com slash Heel Tough blog, and it'll take you there. Um, again, on Twitter, at Future Tar Heel. Uh, Josh's on Twitter, at Joshua Marlowe 5 and then, of course, at Heel Tough Blog is the Twitter. So once again, want to thank Josh for joining me for this edition of the podcast. Want to hear your submissions. Make sure you guys send those in to us. Like and subscribe to the podcast as well as review it. And remember, as always, go Tar Heels! Go Tar Heels!